Welcome to Mint. My name is Adam Levy, and I'm going to be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. This episode welcomes Yuri Lifshitz, founder and CEO of SuperDAO, an all-in-one DAO formation platform that recently raised $11.5 million in seed and pre-seed funding. Before SuperDAO, Yuri has started four companies with one major exit, is a Y Combinator alum, has a PhD in computer science, and was teaching grad-level cryptography courses even before Bitcoin was invented. Also, a long time ago, he won two gold medals at the International Math Olympiad. In this episode, he shares why creators should leverage DAO models to build fan clubs, and why owning your monetization channels and incentivizing aligned participation is the future foundation for building a successful community. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Yuri, welcome to Mint, my friend. Thank you for being on. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Doing great. Thanks, Adam. I'm excited to be here and uh, share what I know about DAOs. Dude, I'm excited to have you. You made a lot of noise online in the last few months. One from the raise, two from the product that you're building, three from the different Twitter posts that you've kind of like circulated online on your thoughts and your opinions on what's happening around DAOs. So uh, an exciting time to be in crypto. I always like to start with a quick intro. Okay. Who are you? What does the world need to know about you? Because you have a lot of credibility as a startup founder. So I'd love for us to, for you to tell us more about your background and then how you got into crypto and we can kind of go from there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a family of mathematician. Uh, I was uh, also in math early on, won two gold medals in the International Math Olympiad, was like professional competing mathematician as a kid. I did PhD in computer science. I was teaching grad courses about crypto before crypto was crypto. So I was teaching about cryptography, things like zero knowledge proofs and uh, Byzantine uh, general tolerance. The, the things that back in the day felt like completely theoretical and, and useless. That was before Bitcoin was invented. And um, I was like, yeah, cryptography is just for math nerds. It's completely useless. Uh, but turns out it is more useful than I thought. And uh, yeah, then uh, moved to United States, uh, was a scientist at Caltech and Yahoo, and then uh, started four startups before SuperDAO. All my startups, kind of all my kind of life uh, theme is about community. So every startup that I built was about community uh, infrastructure in some way. So I've built co-working spaces, I've built big events, up to 100,000 people together. I've built um, uh, education projects. I've built, most recently, a direct competitor to Discord, so chat for communities. That was backed by Y Combinator, and it is now open sourced both on uh, GitHub and Figma. So you can kind of borrow our designs and our code. And uh, most recently started SuperDAO this uh, fall in October. And it's been more or less a rocket ship trajectory. It's an, nothing like I ever built a company before. Why, what's so different between building like DAO infrastructure to the last four startups that you did? Uh, market timing. Uh, okay. Right now, like it, it's really the thing that needed. Uh, like the, the, the market pulls the, the product from us. It, we don't need to push anything yet. Everything comes to us. Got it. Got it. Can you talk more about your time building the Discord competitor? I feel like a very common sentiment is a lot of people don't like Discord. And a lot of people are trying to build competitors to Discord as a way to build a yeah, new yeah, home yeah. for Web3 communities. Walk me through what your, like, your learning processes were, why you decided to shut to sunset the project and open source everything, and how like the different points of things that you've learned from building the chat application that you're applying now to this DAO infrastructure. Yeah, so uh, Discord competitor was almost like an organic story. It didn't start it that way. 
and was uh, in big part led by my co-founder, who was previously at Telegram, lead developer at Telegram. So he's building messengers his whole life. And his dream was always build the next great messenger. And uh, so a lot of the ideas behind the previous company that was called Openland were coming from him. Uh, we tried a bunch of stuff. We tried the um, chat communities for creators like YouTubers and TikTokers. We tried, uh, uh, you know, uh, paywalled communities where you need to pay to join. We tried um, business to business messaging where like people from different companies would message each other and like build a partnership channels between companies uh, like guest channels and Slack, I guess, but just much better in like a single inbox where unlike Discord and then like it's more like Telegram in a way where it like everything comes to you a single inbox. You can create the subfolders if you like, but by default, it all comes to a single inbox rather than, you know, switching between 100 workspaces, mm-hmm. which like, you know, no, no one has time for. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, but we, we couldn't we couldn't get the traction. It was before the, the NFT boom primarily and before uh, uh, before the crypto renaissance, let's say. And uh so the timing wasn't great, and uh, like we couldn't, we, like we built a great product. People praised the the quality was all platforms like super performant, fast, and really clean design, but uh, not 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 enough momentum. And back then, so our pure company was probably something like Circle Circle dot CSO, mm-hmm. uh, which is another community platform, less chat oriented, and more like workspace and content sharing. But Circle is doing all right, uh, and I follow their journey, but. Another thing was like my co-founder was much more drawn to B2C approach while maybe the successful bid in, in, in community messaging was B2B and I couldn't convince them uh, to move more B2B, uh, more like more sales and more marketing. Uh, or oh, I didn't do a good enough job sure. to convince him. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So now you're building DAO Infra. Okay. Um, I feel like a lot of Discord today or a lot of chat applications that are obviously necessary for DAOs and online organizations to live and thrive. So I feel like there's a lot of learnings that you took from building like B2C oh, yeah. communication to now building a DAO infrastructure to host online communities, but in a different form, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people would, some people describe DAOs as communities with shared bank account or right. community with financial layer on top. It's like social layer plus community layer. It's very powerful. Yeah. So when when you kind of like transitioned out of the chat application, how did you find yourself jumping into DAOs? Like why DAOs? Yeah, so the last three months on, 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 on OpenLand were basically a sale process. We were looking whether we can sell OpenLand for any yeah. like meaningful way. And so one thing we've learned is like our best acquisition offers are all coming from crypto. Okay. Number two is like we couldn't we <laughs> struggled to convince those crypto companies to buy us even for like one percent of their capitalization. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I can do no worse than them. I like I felt like I, I can build a comparable business, not a one percent of their okay. business. So I was like secretly started exploring if I go to crypto myself as opposed to selling ourselves to less than one percent of the acquiring company, how that can look like and what I can do in, in crypto. And um there was an NFT boom at the time, and I saw that most NFT, most successful NFT collections become in DAOs, and DAO infrastructure is missing. So I went through this process when I was list like five to ten ideas, and I will go talk to smart friends and I say, "Hey, I have, I'm thinking about those five ideas. Like, if you would be me, which one would you pick?" And they're like, "Yeah, idea number three sounds good. Idea number five is like no way, and uh, like whatever." And so I would rotate those ideas like. Put put another five ideas, another uh-huh. five ideas, and then sometimes they're like, "Hey, I'm gonna build something like Shopify for DAOs, like all-in-one tool that is make it super ridiculously easy to start and operate a DAO." 
And as soon as I introduced that idea, it was always number one. And like no other idea was even coming close. Right. Like, everyone will say, do that. And not only that, but some of my friends were like, not only this is our favorite idea, we would be your customers. Mm. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> That's, there seems something there. And then the other thing I realized is that soon there will be, you know, a few hundred of people with, you know, teams, startup teams with this exactly same idea. It's not a very original idea. It's the right timely, it's a very timely idea, but not very original. And so it's all about execution. And I felt like, yeah, execution is uh, something that people know me for other startups who would not maybe business-wise the most successful, but execution-wise they were good. And uh, this is a time when the idea is obvious and the, the one who will win is the one who executes the best. So I, I like that type of market. Yeah. So how do you think about the different types of DAOs? There's service DAOs, investment DAOs, creator yeah. DAOs, this DAO, that DAO, all these different DAOs each have their own needs and wants, but are there yep. underlying themes behind all of them? Uh, yeah. So I would say there is a playbook on how you go to market. And that is okay. generally like repeatable across many verticals. Uh, so this is probably one of the most important bits in this podcast. Uh, so essentially, if you have a DAO idea and you're just starting and you have the audience and maybe you have the presence and maybe you, you know, uh, have the following and expertise and recognition in your professional or creative and uh, artistic field. So this is generally the steps that you do. The first, you do free airdrop for founding DAO members. So you have kind of allies, the people who like most right. engaged, who will put work in who would put effort, who would spread the word, who might be even you look up to whom. It's like people who are even more famous than you and or at least at the same peer level. And you give them free NFT of your future DAO. You say, hey, I want to recognize you. And you call it not just the NFT, but some extra level of NFT, like VIP NFT or like mm -hmm. legendary, epic, limited, black diamond, <laughs> you, you, you name it. You can be very creative about this. Uh, it's like, Super extra double, triple mint something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you, you give it to them. They feel very special and say, at some point, I will ask you for one tweet. Uh, and then you've done that. And then the second thing you do, you do NFT sale. So at this point, you, introduce, you extend the same NFT collection from like the founding epic tier to a regular tier or like a couple of regular tiers right. at different price points. And you say, we are selling the NFTs now for money. Uh, and we give uh, three things in exchange. We give governance rights, we give social benefits, and we'll give product benefits. So governance rights is like, hey, we're still in the you know building process of the DAO. We figure out what's the value that we bring to the market. And uh, we want you to guide us, like choose between A, B, and C, between covers of our album cover art or like our you know, the name of our conference or like the shirt design for our soccer team or something like that. Mm -hmm. Number two, you say, well, it's a it's a social club now. You will meet other people, including those from legendary tier. Uh, like we all hang out. We'll have like, you know, private Zoom events or Twitter spaces or Discord meetups, whatever, physical meetups in big cities. Uh, so you kind of bring people together. They, they basically, the, the, the NFT uh, acts as a, as a pass, like, you know, as a member pass to certain kind of social events. And number three is... Um, you uh, promise the future product-based benefits. So if it's music, you'll you know you will be the first to hear it. Or if it's a book, you will uh, send the free edition, like a free copy of a book or like premium edition of the book. If it's like 
a concert is free free tickets if it's like a working space it's like five free days of work things like that so it's like a distributed hotel chain or we work type stuff so again maybe three three free nights yeah. for every nft holder in this calendar year so that's that's what you offer and that's a pure utility uh promise you don't promise if percentage of future profits you don't promise that nft will grow in value you say hey you buy this nft as an early adopter like similar to kickstarter like purchase as like mm -hmm. utility governance and the social benefit um and then that's kind of number two and you typically sell anywhere from few hundred to few thousand of total sales volume from few hundred thousand to a few millions of dollars maybe like you sell for a million or for five right. million right and then it might be not enough to fully kind of uh, deliver on your vision. So then you go to professional venture capitalists and investors and say, hey, we just sold a few NFTs. We got a few single million dollars in, in, the, in the bank. Probably not enough. We want more capital. Can you give us more money? And they say, yeah, fine, but we don't want your NFTs. Give us something more. <laughs> and you're like, all right, all right. But I, I'm not fully ready for the token stuff. It feels like very high pressure. And uh, I need to promise like the growth of the value of the token. I don't want that. So you sell them uh, equity in the operating, uh, operating entity with token words. Say right now I set up like Delaware C Corp or LLC or Cayman Islands or British Virgin Island or whatever. Uh, or I already have an agency or whatever, an existing operating entity. I'll sell you equity in existing entity, uh, traditional entity. And then I'll give you promises of future tokens when and if I will have the tokens. And investors typically say yes. They will buy the equity in your operating entity with token warrants for the future kind of foundation slash, you know, ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And then it's fine. And then you also might uh, promise future tokens to the core team from operating entity and to some strategic partners if it's like, you know, marketplace kind of chicken and egg kind of situation. Uh, and then you do work. Now you have a bunch of capital from professional investors, a bunch of capital from NFT sale, uh, yeah, you also leverage the firstly epic legendary people to promote your right. NFT sale and maybe to help you out with investor interest as well and investor credibility. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of NFT airdrop first, NFT sale second, token warrant sale to professional investor third. Then you do a bunch of work. Then the next step can take anywhere from a few months to a few years where you actually build the, the actual product and utility or like record the albums or shoot the film or build the building or city or village mm -hmm. or whatever you're kind of building. And then uh, once you build it, you can reintroduce the token now available for trade, available for everyone to buy and sell as a utility token because you can make it as a form of payment for your actual service. Now that you have like, you know, the book is only sold for the token or the like, I don't know, the music only available for the token or something. And, um, and then... Then the token become tradable either on Uniswap, decentralized exchanges like Uniswap, or centralized exchanges like uh, Coinbase or um, you know FTX, Binance. Uh, you can also instead of going uh, with like tradable token and going to exchanges, you can merge. So you can say, yeah, we have the token we're about to introduce you, but there are three other token-based projects. They also have this private pre-exchange. Uh, a token let's all get together and introduce one token for five projects that we have and become a single network so there are actually up and coming wave of uh, m a between token-based projects when they all kind of merge together so general idea is uh, fewer tokens and a lot of nft collections so if you have 10 artists and each working on their DAO project they can all start with nft collection 
do NFT drop and NFT sale. If they feel strong, if the small artists join them, they can keep going as a single token, multiple artists and multiple NFT collections. If they feel like they they become a too small of a fi- like you know a too small of a pond, uh, they will merge with other. It's you remember like early eighties, I guess seventies, mm-hmm. uh, when there were a bunch of record labels. And then they were merging and merging and merging mm, and merging. Okay. And it was like big three, like universal music yeah. and whatnot. So basically, I would say DAOs can survive as a small and medium-sized operation with private token. But if you want to get listed, and if you want to have a high, like a solid kind of low volatility, high liquidity trade of the token on exchanges, you need to be big, like valued at a billion plus uh, and or like half a billion plus. And I, I think, by the way, that's a great place to kind of end the podcast. Like you just gave everything away like that, the entire playbook. I mean, yep. it's really it's really well said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some modifications if you like do like investment DAOs and metaverse or whatever. But the general playbook is always start with the roadmap, then the free airdrop, then NFT sale, then private tokens for teams, strategic partners and mm-hmm. investors. And then you introduce the actual product, then you make the token form of payment, and then you list in exchanges. So it sounds very much like what we talk about on the podcast is a lot is like building a minimum viable community, right? You said find find your find your people that can help spread the messages, right? And and, and that align with the theme and build a core. Or borrow. Or build borrow. a borrow. Build yeah, or yeah. borrow. Yeah, yeah. So if you are completely unknown, but you have 10 friends who have big following and you can convince them that you are high energy, like uh running trains on time kind of project management person and you can actually make things happen and then you say i'll give you the like this premium nfts and Mm -hmm. i give you the future tokens and you need to support me on the social media on day one i'll produce most of the content and most of the activity but i need the the following and credibility from other people so you can uh, it's like conference organizers you you confirm like high high prominence uh, speakers yeah who who knows personally do you know, like, I don't know, organizer of Web3 Summit or like right, right. something? Yeah. Sure, sure. Okay, makes sense. What's up, guys? Adam Levy here. Sorry for the quick pause. I wanted to give some love to our two NFT sponsors that are making this episode a reality. They are Coinvise and Polygon Studios. On Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum or Polygon. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more today by visiting coinvise.co. Polygon Studios is the gaming and NFT arm of Polygon, who's focused on growing the blockchain gaming and NFT industry while bridging the gap between Web 2 and Web 3 gaming. The Polygon Studios ecosystem comprises highly loved blockchain games like OpenSea, Upshot, Avagachi, Zedrun, Skyweaver, Decentraland, and Decentral Games. If you're a gamer, builder, or NFT creator looking to join the Polygon Studios ecosystem, get started today by visiting polygonstudios.com. All right, back to the episode. You know what's what's cool about your background, Yuri, is like you have a very traditional startup background of, of producing products for Web two, and now you're building yep. something in Web three. And I'm I'm curious as a builder in Web two who transitioned to Web three. What are some of the biggest differences or similarities that you've kind of come across with building, let's say, for example, DAO infrastructure, building for decentralized organizations versus building more centralized products, for example? Yeah, I would say there there are cultural differences before there are technological. So the first one is the culture of speed. So the the Web3 is insanely fast. Uh, 
market. I remember like when I was starting, you know, scheduling sales calls and people were scheduling primarily next day or the day after. When someone scheduled with you next week, it's almost like an insult in Web3. It's like, right. you are not important. They are not important. Like, this is not really <laughs> a serious conversation here. So people expect people a response next day in like Telegram or Twitter DMs. Like, if you reply by a week later, you have to apologize. And like in Web2, yeah. if you reply by email in one, like seven days after, it's a norm. It's like, thank you for replying. But in Web3, it's like, what are you doing here? Like, were you sick or like something <laughs> Something bad happened with you? Uh, so people are exceptionally fast. Another one is the spirit of collaboration over competition. So no one feels competitive to each other. It just uh, feels silly. And so you can build like nearly the same thing and you still feel like there is so much more you can do together rather mm -hmm. than competing. So it's general speed. And because it's like things on blockchain, they're more transparent, more open. There is like less culture of you know holding secrets uh so it's and you still feel in the minority like majority of people still don't have wallets majority of people still not in crypto so we still feel like the early pioneers we are still a call on the kind of same side mm -hmm. um yeah, so the, this camaraderie of web3 i guess uh so th those are great things um uh, valuations are better. Yeah, so you can like easier to raise uh, as, as, as a Web3 company. So you <laughs> take the same idea and you say you're Web3 or you're DAO and you get like a, like try to say that you're a direct competitor to YouTube and you're a Web2 company. Uh, I'll, right. You probably wouldn't raise a dollar. And uh, you say, well, we are distributed Web3 native version of YouTube and now you have a line of investors. <laughs> so you guys, you guys actually raised 10 and a half million right yeah what, 1 million what, precede and then 10 and a half seed so 11 and a half yeah at what valuation were you public with the valuation yeah we were like this is pretty unusual we were public with the valuation the valuation on the seed was 160 and that's equity valuation so the implied token valuation is even higher so how how i think everybody's yeah. asking like <laughs> what like, everybody in web 2 that's looking at this is like what the fuck is going on this is madness yeah. everyone in web 3 is like oh just another valuation another race yeah. like, no big deal how do you yeah. justify that? How do you make sense of that? Yeah, well, a uh, few things. Okay. One is um, uh, the the late game looks very healthy. So the, the end game for a token-based, a token-bound project is to be listed at Coinbase and you know FTX and Binance. The valuation for late-stage mature projects like you know Solana and Polygon and Near and Avalanche and uh, uh, I'm primarily naming, you know, um, uh, chains, but also like Uniswap or One Inch or things like that. So they're you know single billions, tens of billions, sometimes approaching hundred billion, and that's just the start. I don't think that the Solana reached the peak or Polygon or whatever. I think they still have ten x, hundred x ahead of them. You know, not maybe tomorrow, maybe ten years, twenty right. years, but I don't think they reached the peak. Uh, and uh, uh, and so and they 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 get become public in two, three, five years, not seven to ten like traditional so investors thinking all right so uh yeah it is you know it is very unproven it is very early on it's like pre-revenue but the winner in DAO infrastructure space will be token traded probably within three years probably within two years who knows so our investment will be liquid or partially liquid any anyone who is a category winner is probably traded towards 10 billion or more like you know look at metaverse like sandbox or mm -hmm. Uh, Decentraland, they're not that have, like far along in terms of product. They have strong ecosystem and brand and snowball network effects. But product-wise, 
it's not really a fully polished product just yet. And uh, how many people like really as users, not as, you know, speculative investors or mm-hmm. builders sure. are really going there a daily basis. It's not like comparable with traditional gaming or anything. Uh, but the promise is there. But so the trading at the late stage or mid stage project is very high and it's liquid. And so investors like, do we believe that this project within two years will be tokenly like exchange listed and be a category leader in their, you know, respective category? And if you can make a case that you will be the category leader, you'll be exchange listed and you will be traded at the levels that, you know, other category leaders on. Right. So my comparables are like, you know, the central land and sandbox, which are traded like close to 10 billion or sometimes above, sometimes below and fully diluted coin market cap. And yeah, I'm thinking like the, the number one down infrastructure project will be token listed and will be traded in right. similar numbers or higher. Right. I think the down infrastructure is as important, if not more important than, you know, one of many metaverses and uh, it has stronger network effects. Uh, so yeah, makes I, sense. I, yeah. yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I want to talk more about like use cases. Okay. Um, we've seen a lot of, uh, I guess, like social clubs, social DAOs form. We've seen a lot of uh, investment DAOs form for the most part. Um, and we're seeing more and more creator DAOs form. This is something I've been talking about for like the last year publicly, but we're really starting it, starting to see it come into to, to shift in the last like three, four months. And I know one of the things that you guys offer on your platform, part of the, the infrastructure play is catering towards creators. Yep. So how do you think about the creator DAO space? What's the current state of creator DAOs, for example? And play to me some use cases like that you've seen work and not work. Yep. Uh, yeah, so creators, I think the end game here is platform DAOs. So the, the two-tier two system DAOs. This is what I'm going to talk about. It's not to say unproven, but this is in development. So okay. the, like the, the, it's a developing story where like the, the trend and recommendations might change within the next few months. But this okay. is what I see today. Um, uh, you, like, the, the platform level is more like uh, a dis- distributed record label or distributed metaverse, like a metaverse or distributed, like, an, I don't know, the platform for virtual characters or something. So it's not a single artist. It's not a single character. It's not a single, like, virtual city. It's not a single game. It's not a single event. It's not a single book. It's more like a publishing house. It's okay. like a distributed, you know, penguin random right. house or something, or distributed YouTube, or distributed uh, like Activision Blizzard, or distributed um, Spotify or something like that. So there is a platform level play. When you say we are a set of technologies and distribution uh, kind of ecosystem for artists or you know writers or filmmakers and so on, uh, and then and then there is an artist level. And the artist level or creator level is a single individual or a single small group uh, that will produce certain content on brand, like under their full creative control and whatnot. And so for individual creators, the DAO setup that's recommended is a purely NFT based. So no token or token later. So don't don't try to emulate like Rally or BitCloud. I don't think that's the direction where things are going. Okay. And uh, uh, instead, like introduce NFT collection, give special premium grade NFTs for supporters uh, for free who will support you on the distribution side and on the creative side, and then uh, sell NFTs to super fans for uh, uh, governance, like you know, helping you design like the name of your, of your album or right. you know the the Very items in the background. Level. 
yeah 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 kind of like yeah cosmetics level or like you know decoration level let's okay. say like what to wear like right. type of things uh it's like if you like it's uh, like a sports team is like uh selecting short designs and things like that uh yeah so it's kind of lightweight governance and then uh product-based utility, and then uh, social kind of membership of being the early or super world-class kind of supporter of that. And the NFTs can be tradable, uh, uh, but but uh, and they can grow in value if the artists become more popular, but they are not designed to be like the equity in the artist uh, work. So I don't recommend sell the NFTs for artists that will take a percentage of artist revenue. What they can do, though, is that the artist can direct the percentage of their revenue to the DAO treasury, but not to be distributed to the DAO members, but for DAO members to vote on how to spend the money. Got so it. The, the artist can say, okay, 5% of my revenue, 5% of my like album sales goes to the DAO, and you guys decide to together, maybe we will give grants to super fans who create additional artwork, who write remixes, who write like local performances, who will, you know, for example, like let's say you're a TikToker and you invent like a new type of dance and uh, you like invented 10 moves and you say, hey, I like, I like, this is like, I'm getting my, you know, advertising revenue. I created DAO for my super fans and I put like 5% of my advertising and whatever revenue to the DAO. And then if you help me to further invent those dances and like expand or record them, uh, or like you know, teach them or whatever. Then uh, the DAO can pay you, you know, from the grant program or from contributor right. kind of budget, the salary. So it's more like for DAO members to earn money from you, but for the effort, not because they just hold the DAO, you know, NFTs. Uh, Got it. So it's not 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 as an investors, but more like as a contributors. Uh, so the DAO, yeah. So that's kind of the individual artist setup. Set up a DAO, uh, sell NFTs, distribute free NFTs, and then. Uh, eventually create a community-governed treasury together. You can also say, hey, I put 5% of my revenue to the DAO, and then I let my super fans to decide which charity will be supported. So instead of Lady Gaga saying, okay, I put 5% to charity, and I decide as Lady Gaga where to go. We all decide. Yeah, yeah. My super fans will decide where my revenue goes. And so now you know that when you support Lady Gaga on social media, you actually... I will be in charge of 5% of your revenue that goes to individual causes and you actually decide which causes to go. The 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 real world example for that would be uh, Green Brothers, uh, John and Hank Green on YouTube. So they have this thing called Project for Awesome, which is an annual uh, fundraising campaign on YouTube and they do half and half. So I think the half of raised money, the Green Brothers decide where to go. And the other half, it's the community that decide where the, the money raised, uh, which charities they go. Got it. What does it cost to set something like this up for a creator? Yeah. So uh, right now, like we, we're about to introduce the pricing at SuperDAO. Okay. And it will be super, like the, the, the basic tier will be super affordable, something like 50 to 100 bucks per month. Okay. And now, does all, this include all the legal fees and all the legal setup uh, and everything that 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 comes into play with? The no, the legality? basic plan doesn't. The basic plan doesn't require you to have a legal setup. So, so this is how typically, uh, um, the, there is like three levels. Uh, three levels of complexity. The basic setup is just the DAO. Okay. Especially if you don't have a community treasure, you just sell and 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 uh, um, uh, distribute NFTs for free. You just you know you set up a DAO. You issue NFTs, you have smart contract, you describe the ownership and membership structure, you're good to go. You can do it just with us. You don't need any lawyers. 
Step number two is like you have a DAO and then you have the operating entity. The operating entity can be already pre-existing. I think most successful artists, they have this certain LLC or whatever. So existing LLC, existing Delaware Corp, existing entity on Cayman Islands or British Virgin Islands or like whatever you have, uh, all good. So it does not need to mirror the ownership structure. The, the core team owns the operating entity, maybe alongside with like professional investors. And then the, 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 the DAO members, they, they, they are members of the DAO, but not the operating entity. Like Solana has Solana Labs and Polygon has its own right. thing. And, you know, every like and Axie Infinity has, I think, Sky Mavis or whatever. Yeah. So they're like every, uh, every like big, uh, you know, crypto project has a big operating entity behind it or many or several. Uh, and uh, I think Brain Trust, which is a recruiting decentralized recruiting network, has like six operating entities entities behind it. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so that's kind of step two. You can use any service to to register operating entity. It can be like Legal Zoom or Cupbase or or Clerky or whatever you like. And uh, or a lawyer friend. Uh, and then the step three is when you create a special purpose, a DAO oriented legal company it's typically a foundation and typically cayman islands singapore or switzerland or something of the, along those lines typically not united states and that is for issuing uh, exchange bound tokens this is very late stage this is like long after you have the nfts and you sold token warrants to investors this might be one two three years down the road we can recommend some you know legal providers for that uh, and that's when you like actually polish your tokenomics and uh, figure out the allocations and Got the it. number of tokens and whatnot. Uh, so you don't need to do that day one because you can run as a DAO or DAO plus operating entity for a very long time. Makes sense. Okay. So I'm starting to think of like, so then how do you run like an SEC compliant token raise? So for the mem for the membership NFTs, it's just a utility base. You get cosmetic, yep. you get cosmetic features and whatnot. But when it comes to actually doing a token distribution, doing a diversification round that a lot of DAOs like to call it uh, and taking it to like the next level, raising money. What's the process of doing an SEC compliant token raise? It's, it's setting up that formation, going through those steps like you just outlined. Yeah, so uh, sometimes you do this extra step. So you okay. uh, you do like roadmap, then a free airdrop, right. then NFT sale, then token warrant on operating entity equity, and then you do a private token round and then you do exchange listing. When you do private token round, then yeah, you can sell it a little bit more broad. By that time, you're very close to exchange listing. So you have already built the utility case and you say, hey, we're just about to introduce the token uh, as a form of payment for future services. It's more like a selling gift cards for your future, you know, uh, future token that has now utility value. Mm -hmm. uh, Typically, still, uh, people who do private rounds, in many cases, they ex explicitly exclude the United States. So they would mm. do a private round that doesn't allow the United States-based uh, people to to buy it, uh, to kind of be outside of the purview yeah, of uh, yeah. SSE. But generally, yeah, don't sell tokens early to anonymous public uh, buyers, especially in the United States, before you have utility value of your already fully built product and before your token, it can be used as a form of payment for the actual existing functional value. Because that case, it is like super close to unregistered security, which is not uh, generally speaking legal.
Yeah, yeah. I want to talk more about like revenue sources for DAOs. A lot of social DAOs form because it's fun to form a social organization. And then yep. once they have like-minded people, they try to build something and take it next level. Okay. First thing that comes to mind is FWB. Another one that comes to mind is Forefront. These are all communities that I'm a part of. Um, and I think now FWB has kind of explored the product route doing event ticketing plus much more. Forefront has a myriad of different services that they provide. Um, but what is like the most common form of like uh, revenue models, for example, that you've seen DAOs initiate? From the creator side, I've seen artists start their own DAOs, right? All the revenue, part of their artist share, their catalog sales, sound.xyz sales, whatever, NFT sales go back to the treasury, right? And that empowers the entire community. But it doesn't really directly correlate to, let's say, like the governance token per se. That's a whole nother kind of form of, of value accrual, right? But when you when you think about revenue generation, what are some examples that come to mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, by the way, I like what you just described. So when basically the artist... So I think we need to change the mental model. And so okay. uh, I think I'm going to introduce something modestly controversial. And I okay. hope that it's like really like let's switch. do it yeah, yeah okay <laughs> yeah so i think the the narrative was wrong on creator DAOs, like completely wrong they the 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 DAOs were pitched as a way for fans to buy equity in an artist when artist works and fans are kind of investors in an artist they give money to the artist and then they share profits from the artist that's kind of the narrative you give the money to the artist early, help them get off the ground, support them socially, promote them. And then artists become successful. They share back the share of success to the DAO and DAO shares uh, a share of that to uh, super fans. So, you know, like, so the, the metaphor was you invest in, in artists. I think it's a wrong metaphor. Okay. I think the good metaphor is uh, employment. Think of that like I'm Lady Gaga. I'm already rich. I don't need investment. I don't need like, you know, fan, like get more money from fans. So, however, some of my fans are amazing. They're just incredible. They, they invent dances and, and costumes and memes and they are awesome. I want to give them career opportunity. So, but, you know, I'm not Lady Gaga LLC. I don't have management time. I'm not going to, you know, manage people. So instead, so I'm I'm getting like, so I don't know if you know, like Lady Gaga has the nickname for her fans, uh, Little Monsters. Mm -hmm. So you don't do Lady Gaga. Yuri, are you, you a little monster? Not like partially. Yeah, <laughs> I'm partially, a huge fan. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. like, I'm, I'm like... I'm uh, how to say associate. Yeah, I'm a, okay. <laughs> a monster associate. Okay, <laughs> like associate little monster. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and so yeah, so yeah, so you do uh, little monsters now, and so Lady Gaga will fund it. Lady Gaga is the investor, not the recipient of the investment. Lady Gaga would put would put one percent mm. of the revenue to the DAO mm. and then your most engaged fans can buy the NFT or like join the NFT for the effort or like through giveaways. And and then they together will produce extra value. So they will do more more album designs and costumes and events and this and that. And then they can also create revenue streams that no longer from Gaga, but maybe from like licensed Gaga concerts by cover bands, right? Or or like the local concerts or supporting aspiring musicians from the her fans, like you know scholarships, like musical scholarships. 
and then that becomes like a musical college or that becomes like a school of music like alternative berkeley college you know mm-hmm. and uh, and that that thing and so the people who and then when you introduce a token you introduce the token as a form of payment of effort so you can't buy the lady monster token you can only earn it if you're actually a, a real contributor there and then and then then the revenue can be shared to the token holders but only to those token holders who actually worked for basically uh, a little monster DAO and together created more value. So it's it's a way because for, if you're like a, uh, essentially what I'm trying to say, the big creators can create the the career opportunities for early right. career creators right. through right. through the brand of theirs. It's not like like a famous rapper will start a record label and try to grow up the, the next generation of, you know, street yeah. artists and bring them to the next level. And uh mm, yeah, so that that's that, that's kind of the mental model that we should. So let's let's play on this for a minute, okay? I'm going to share my screen for a second, okay? Yep. Let's try to take a, a, an example of what's happening now and how that can kind of form to what you just described. So yep. we're on Facebook right now. We're looking at yep. different Facebook groups. We see. Yeah, I'll go that, closer to the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to go like this, okay? So yep. this group is called "I've Met Lady Gaga." Has 6.1k members. This one is just yep. Lady Gaga. Has 22k yep. members. This yep. one is Lady Gaga, 28K members. Lady yep. Gaga, 50K. Okay. There's thousands yeah. of people creating different fan clubs on behalf of Lady Gaga. Yeah, exactly. But the problem is, Yuri, how do you create a coordination effort to bring all these people together to let them realize that, wait a minute, they don't just need to be posting for fun. There's yeah. also monetization involved, right? Lady Gaga can kind of get involved because personally, I don't know how involved Lady Gaga is today with all these groups. These are just like independent fan clubs around her brand and what she's created. Right, yeah, but yeah. what you're suggesting is that these people who feel in love and actively post in these existing communities can use DAO primitives as a way to kind of take it to the next level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think uh, the model here is very, very much similar to Facebook groups. So Lady Gaga is not initiating those groups. What she can do is she can endorse one of those groups as an official group uh, and say, "I will work with that group, and uh, together we like, right. like I'll put either." I'll give you preliminary access for future music or a private concert or like this and that and, and so on. So essentially with DAOs, I would say something similar. So I would say Lady Gaga can make a single tweet saying, hey, I love this new concept of DAO. I want to start a Little Monsters DAO. I don't have time to recruit and select the, uh, the core team. So what I'm looking for is a core team bids. So mm-hmm. you can organize your own core group on any platform like Discord or um, um, uh, Twitter or Google Docs and Notion or whatever, and uh, make a tweet about your uh, your um, your organizing core group, uh, how you want to do a Little Monsters DAO, and uh, ask all your friends to retweet. I will review top 10, top 10 uh, DAO uh, competing bids that I feel like most credible and best done and most retweeted. And then I'll select one or two and I designate them as an official Lady Monsters uh, kind of DAO project. And I will feed it with my like exclusive content and private right. appearances and uh, uh, performance rights, uh, right, licensing rights and things like that. But there's a problem here. Okay. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that all these people have been doing it for free. Yeah. They've, yeah. Been, they've been loving doing it for free. That's what, that's yeah. what gives them energy. There's yeah. actually... An interesting like component to this, once you introduce mining to the picture, 
Yeah. It gets complicated and weird. It's not as fun as maybe well, as it was yes, intended to yes. be. Yes, uh, yes. So you, you can do it softly. So you can okay. introduce money that is not going to the contributors and say, I'll put the money in your DAO and you guys decide how you want to spend it. So you don't need it to give it to yourself. You can send all of that to charity. You can sell it to to scholarship. You can send it to grant making program. Let's experiment with. I'll give you mm. like you know 50K or 100K to play with at the grant program season one. You're going to vote for what you want to spend it on. You can spend it on salaries on core team. You can spend it on, you know, supporting young musicians or like art exhibition or, you know, fund a like more imaginative, like higher budget installations or whatnot. Right. And uh, right. so it's like a so, money to play with. Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense. But we've yet to actually see this use case, this actually very cool and scalable and powerful use case being practiced. I haven't well, seen it, an artist do that. Have you seen Have you seen an artist kind of execute on that in theory? Well, I've seen a lot of like L1 and L2 chains who have like ecosystem fund or grant making programs right, okay. so, or so hackathons with, with Yeah, okay. so basically if we're talking about software creators, there are like a huge amount of companies who would initiate essentially. Uh, so another close analogy would be actually creator fund from platforms like TikTok or YouTube mm -hmm. or Reels, like Instagram Reels. Yeah. Yeah. They would put a creator fund, so it's like it's like a creator fund for little monsters. Creator fund, right. it's like, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. So that's for a more of established artist that has yeah. a fan base. What about for a lot of the independent artists, which honestly the market tends to favor more and tends to support more? Yeah. Um, what about the 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 everyday's of of the world that are coming into the space, trying to use Web three primitives as a way to build, monetize, and own their audience? They don't have the pleasure of thousands of people creating groups yeah, yeah. on their behalf. They have to form that excitement. How can they use a platform like either like SuperDAO or yeah, in yeah. general these DAO primitives to kind of to kind of move forward? Yeah. So uh, I would say you need to find an idea that is already recognized and understood that is bigger than the artist. So, for example. Um, uh, you know, there is a political event and you want to save the victims of uh, some big tragedy. And so you want to build a DAO that helps the victim of this big tragedy in the moment. And uh, so if you are like fastest like artist for X, artist to support, right. like, for example, some time ago, there was, you know, a border crisis in the United States and there were like kids in prisons, like separated right. from uh, parents. And you want like, artists for kids or artists for immigrants uh -huh. or something. So if you build that and you bring me even, even more established artists as like second order contributors and whatnot. So yeah, so basically you find an idea that has a zeitgeist. So they have a temporarily high demand or high need or high attention. And you try to rally up a lot of artists around certain thing. It might be, might be something like maybe there was a big premiere of like, you know, Marvel film and you want to do uh, something around that or like Harry Potter or something or something like a fanfic type of stuff. Uh, so you kind of attach yourself to a bigger movement uh, or bigger theme. Um, so that's that's something. Uh, uh, let's see. I think that's a good example. You know, another yeah. another example that comes to mind is referencing what has already worked and bringing back in Daniel Allen again in the Overstim DAO. Okay. Where his his crowdfunding mechanics are questionable in terms of legality, but mm -hmm. a lot of it was betting that he's just he's very small and the SEC's chasing like like yeah, billion yeah. dollar billion yeah. dollar issues like the Bitcoin shit that happened a while back. But so that's an interesting example too, where you're able to actually share the ownership, the upside, the financial upside 
where it's questionable, okay, from a legality point of view, but it's actually a very favorable. Well, act. no, there is a very easy hack how to make it super legal. So you just spread, you split your audience into like hands-on contributors to whom you have free so NFTs proof of work that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah proof. Yeah, kind of free NFTs that will receive the revenue from the DAO based on your contributors contributions and the paid NFTs that act more like tickets. So you either a volunteer on event, like or like contributor to event, or you are a ticket holder who is more like you know receiving benefit from it. Uh, and uh, you, you sell the utility NFTs and you distribute effort NFTs and the effort NFTs can receive the revenue. Yeah. So proof of work that comes back to that verifying your effort, right? To be able yep. to actually receive a contribution proportionate to whatever it is that you're owed, which is also an interesting thing. We're seeing platforms like Royal, for example, explore yep. the boundaries in the gray area behind tokenizing ownership, decent.xyz. Yep. But we see other platforms like Catalog and Sound.xyz just experiment with, with collecting wave files if you were to collect art um and i'm very much in the boat of i see the opportunity for both but i think once you get more mainstream and you bring in bigger artists into the picture and the bet is that they're going to be building up their own DAOs and bringing their fans and, and having them kind of share the upside of whatever it is that they're doing it kind of makes things more complicated in, in that matter and while there's issues with like a coordination effort i see like the opportunity behind doing it but I'm, I'm skeptical a little bit as to what that looks like on a scalable level. And I don't know if it's going to be this generation of artists or the next generation of artists that are more technologically native, that, that, that spend a lot of time on the computer more than this, the millennial generation or whatever. But I don't know. These are just some of my thoughts. What do you think? Yeah. So there are, again, there are two use cases uh, that I'm very bullish and one that I'm okay. bearish. Uh, okay. So the, the things that I'm bullish is the, the utility buyers. Right. So when you buy NFTs or memorabilia or uh, governance rights or future product rights or from artists, it can be future books and music and film and premiere access and behind the scenes and decision power over small details of the creative work the artists are doing, like, you know, cover art and naming yeah. and things like that. Uh, so I'm bullish on that. So it's like pre-buying the signed edition of a book. You get a special token of special connection with an artist uh and the artist you believe you believe like you know like have a signed first edition of beatles first musical right. album is like you know cool stuff and so i totally see that and and the second one that i believe is that super fans become loosely employed by the the the, the favorite artists it's like the top hundred believers i don't know are the making money from believers dow whatever uh so yeah, I'm aging myself by giving reference. You know? Are you a believer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm before. I'm before. I don't know. Like, I grew up. I'm an MTV generation. So. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, so, yeah, so what what are other like big picture things that people need to like keep keep an eye on in 2022 for DAOs? Like what, what are some trends that we should keep an eye on? Um, maybe like like regulatory things that may or may not yeah, happen. Yeah. Fill me in on yeah. that. So the first thing, and let me self-promote here myself a little bit, sure. is free free NFT airdrops. Like if you like doing small projects, large projects, medium-sized project, free NFT airdrop is a good starting point. It can be a single artwork. You don't need to generate ten thousand like different, differently shaped board apes. You can have a single uh, artwork, and you distribute it to hundred people. You can update the artwork later individual personalize it later it can be like a like a image of a key if it's like a pass to a secret kind of society of of uh, of your theme 
And uh, SuperDAO, my platform, uh, allows to do that. So you can do free airdrops currently for free with us. Uh, so basically, you know, name your DAO, send us one image, and send us, you know, 100 or 1,000 wallet addresses where you want to airdrop that. You can collect them, you know, privately in Facebooks and Twitter DMs and Discords and whatnot. This is what catalyzed the community and brings that to Web3. And so if you're listening to that podcast or viewing us, and you kind of excited about the future of Web3, you're a creator, and you have not yet used any of the products that discussed in that podcast, you can uh, DM me or direct message uh, SuperDAO on Twitter uh, or fill the form on superdao.co. Uh, we'll get in touch, and then you just set up just the name of your DAO project, and then you do the airdrop with you know 100 close friends. And that now the hundred people are thinking, okay, we now want to sell NFTs. Now we want governance. Now we want treasury. Now we want grant making program. So now you're no longer alone and you have other people who are as excited as you are about making this thing work. So free airdrops is, okay. is basically a tool that every creator should master because it, it was hard. Like you, before SuperDAO, you need to like hire a smart contract developer and figure out like as highly customizable artworks and to think about everything in advance. So the smart contracts that we provide are upgradable, modular, and extendable. That means you can start with a simple uh, kind of smart contract and then you can customize the artwork later, even for the NFTs that you already distributed. And then they add governance and add treasury and add this and that and tokens and raise more money privately and publicly in a variety of ways. But the free airdrop is always the starting point. And if you want to, not just to listen to podcasts, but, you know, play with the actual tool, uh, you should start working. Like, this is the easiest tool to, to master. Got it. Free airdrops. That's going to be the number one trend. I think another another trend is, I think, uh, 2020 and, uh, yeah, 2020, 2021, we see a lot of people experimenting with ERC-20s as a, as a form of access. But we're going to see membership passes as a form of access. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. NFT first DAOs. Yeah, so yeah. this is another yeah. difference. And this is, by the way, why... SuperDAO was so uh, successful fundraising-wise is the, the competitors that were in DAO infrastructure before us, they were all token-first right. for DAOs. They were assuming DAO is something that is built around tokens, while the, all the new DAOs, second-generation DAOs, which I call flexible DAOs, uh, because they don't start decentralized or, or autonomous, they all run by humans and uh, by operating teams initially, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, they always NFT-first token later. Yeah, makes sense. I'm also curious to see, like, uh, one, how SuperDAO kind of evolves and the different solutions and, and services you guys provide to all different types of DAOs. I think we've only scratched the surface of what uh, oh, yeah. a, a type of DAO kind of looks like. We see a lot of, like, reoccurring ones like services, media DAOs, uh, investment, creator, etc. But it's just the beginning. Um, I'm also super excited to see, like I said earlier, the membership side of things and how that kind of prevails from offering free mints to paid mints what tiers of access look like and how a governance token gets introduced down the line and what that kind of plays. And if governance tokens even need it, yeah, I was about to say, are, will they yeah. die out? Like, will they die out eventually? Or will the NFT kind of poise the, 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 the most of the value? Are you, are you agreeing to that? Or are you re referencing something else? Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say I agree that early stage DAOs will be NFT first and the yeah. early stage DAOs will have NFT based governance. The late stage DAOs that are billion plus in value they will have token-based governance. Yeah, yeah. Yuri, before I let you go, anything else we should we should cover that we should keep an eye on for SuperDAO or in general that you're focused on specifically? 
Yeah, on SuperDAO, uh, yeah, we're gonna introduce our smart contract framework more publicly. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna produce more educational content. We actually host uh, weekly private workshops for DAO okay. creators. Cool. So if you just apply on SuperDAO.co, you'll get an invite right away. Uh, so basically, if you need more educational help and advice and personalized kind of case, uh, so I basically host the AMAs. Uh, you host it yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, every every week, a uh, couple times a week on Zooms, we have typically fifty to hundred projects each each night, and uh, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, Amazing. In, in in terms of like the general, yeah, I would say NFT first DAOs. That's a huge trend for the, this year. I I say, and another one is I think there would be even more excitement from investor side. So there will be more investment in DAOs. And uh, basically, if you are a startup and you are not a DAO, you not don't have a DAO strategy of how DAO factors in what you're building, you're probably missing out. So again, you know, apply on superdao.co, go to our workshop and we'll figure out something together. Amazing, Yuri. And where can we find you online personally? Yeah, yeah I'm pretty active on Twitter. Eurolifshits in okay. one word. Uh, and superdao underscore CO is our corporate handle. I kind of ghost manage that as well alongside with my team. Uh, so cool. DMs are open, uh, pretty active. Uh, yeah. Amazing, Yuri. I'm also Thank active so on Telegram, just my last name, Lipschitz. Okay, yeah. And I, I can I can subscribe to that. You are very active on Telegram. <laughs> Yuri, thank I you am. so much. We hope to do this again soon. Yeah, good luck, everyone. Let's build more DAOs. What's up, guys? If you've gotten this far, then I owe you a listener badge NFT. Go to adamlevy.io forward slash poap, that's P-O-A-P, and click the respective season. Fill out your info and I'll distribute the free-to-mint NFT at the end of the season. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. You won't believe it, but it helps me out a ton. And finally, hit me up on Twitter, at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you just simply want to chat. If you couldn't tell already, I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy, and it's no different if it's coming from you directly. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world, and we'll catch you on the next episode.